How many are thankful that we have a God that's good? Man, maybe seated. That's one of those songs I kind of feel like we could do just about every week, and I'd be okay with it. That's a keeper. That's a, that's a keeper song. Um, I want to go ahead and address something really quick before I get into the message because we got some type A people in the room and watching online, just kind of get this out of the way. Um, there, there are two guitars right here, and, and those are, those are called stage props. I will get to them at the end of the message. The reason I'm saying that is because if I didn't, somebody was going to miss the whole message, and you're going to turn to the person with you going, what's those guitars? What's that? I'm, I know they're there. I'm going to get to them at the end of the message. Good? Um, everybody here tonight, no exception, has had a bad experience somewhere. Bad experience. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a restaurant. Maybe, um, maybe it was at a grocery store. Uh, maybe it was on, a, on an airplane. And that bad experience was so bad that you literally said, I couldn't remember saying this at a restaurant, I will never eat at this restaurant again. Now, said restaurant that I'm talking about where I said that, the reason I got mad was they never brought me my food. Everybody with me, they brought them their food, didn't bring me my food, and then they tried to charge me for it. And I was like, I'm not paying for it. Like, was it not good? I was like, I don't have a clue because I didn't get it. I'm not, well, you got, I'm not paying. So anyway, I said, I'll never eat this restaurant again. And I haven't, I haven't gone back. I haven't gone back to that restaurant, but I still go to other restaurants. I have gotten mad on airplanes. I remember the angriest I got is we landed and they said, oh, there's another plane at our gate. We're just gonna sit here and wait. That's fine. Two hours later, I about got put on the no-fly list because I'm ready to go. I, so I, I remember saying, I'll never fly this airline. No, I did. I wound up flying the airline again. But we all do that, right? I'll never. But when it comes to church, it seems kind of crazy because we can have a bad experience at church and you can have a bad experience at one church and oftentimes we'll say, because I had a bad experience at a church, I'm never going to any church again. Now, that doesn't work for any other area of our life, but unfortunately, that works for church. Now, listen, everybody in this room, no exception, you've had a bad experience at church. You know why? Because churches are full of just messed up people. And the prettier they look, the more messed up they are. They're just better at hiding it, right? So I, I'm telling you, I understand and some of you are like, oh, I've never had a bad experience. Well, this is your first time. Keep coming here. You'll have a bad experience here. I promise you. We're messed up. We will mess you up. Listen, I've worked in churches for over 30 years. I've had four. I've been on staff at four churches. Um, my first church was Griffin Baptist Church in Pickens, South Carolina. My second church was North Anderson Baptist Church here in Anderson. I was associate pastor there for six years. My third church was New Spring. And my fourth church um, is second chance, okay? I had a, in my first church, I was nearly fired. In my second church, I was nearly fired. Third church, <laughs> third time's a charm, baby, all right? So, and so far, so far it's working good, but listen, we're only about five years into this thing, so we, we, we don't know. And I'm saying, I understand. If you got church hurt, I understand it, but listen to me. I still love the church. I believe when the local church is operating right, not perfect, but operating right, 
There is nothing that has the potential to bring change to the world like the local church. When the local church is working right, you've heard me say it, lost people get found, found people get grown up, the excluded get included, and God gets the glory for it all. And there's nothing on the planet that I would rather give my life to. So if you've had a bad experience at church, I get it. We're good. We've had them, and we're going to continue to have them. At the end of the day, there's nothing that has the potential to change the world like the local church. And that takes me to my passage. Now, if you've ever heard me preach, you've probably heard me preach on this passage because it's, it's one of those go-to passages when you talk about the church. But even if you've heard me talk about it, you've never heard me talk about it the way I'm going to talk about it tonight because I've seen some stuff. It was really cool. Check this out. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Now, first of all, understand that this was written by Matthew. There's four accounts of the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew was writing primarily to a Jewish audience. So there's some things in the gospel of Matthew that when we read them, we would read right over them because we don't have context. But a Jewish person in the first century if they would have read this sentence I'm about to read to you right now, it would have been a jaw-dropping moment, and I'll explain why. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, that's the part where the jaw would have dropped, and I'll explain why in just a second. He asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Because obviously he didn't keep track of his own social media. He had somebody on his team to do that. But, but the, the thing that sticks out about this verse is Caesarea Philippi. Man, that's a messed up place. Now, everybody in this room, everybody in this room has been to a shady place in your life with shady people. Some went there on accident. Some went there on purpose. Some went, there on, some went there on accident and then went back on purpose, right? But we've, we've all been to some shady places with some shady people. There wasn't a more shady place on the planet to an Orthodox Jewish person than Caesarea Philippi. Let me tell you, what, let me tell you why. Caesarea Philippi is where um, those people lived. They had a temple at Caesarea Philippi. Now, I've been to, like, the first time I went to Israel, they said, what's, the, what's one of the things you got to see? I said, I want to see Caesarea Philippi. They're like, are you sure? Because the bus ride up there is like brutal. I'm like, no, I want to go, I want to go. And after I went the first time, I was like, man, this is crazy. They have roads. And anyway, like side note, this is just a side note, true story. Um, they said, if you get off the bus, make sure you stay on the road. I was like, is there a reason for that? Like, yeah, off of this road is just minefields. When Israel and Syria were fighting over this land, they, there's just landmines everywhere. And so I asked the question. It was a logical question. I said, How, how'd y'all build the roads? Like, how'd you know where the mines were? Did y'all have, like, technology? They're like, nope. They marched cows through and, and the cow would find the mine. And then they just, true story. See, y'all get extra stuff at five o'clock. 
Not making that up. Caesarea Philippi, though, they had, a, they had a temple there that was built to the Greek goat god Pan. Now, in the middle of this temple, there was a, some rocks with a crack in it with, a, with some steam coming up. It was like from some underground springs, but the ancients thought this was demons coming up from the underworld. So they literally called this place in Caesarea Philippi the gates of hell. They thought this is where demons entered the world. And, true story, in order to worship in the temple, one of the things that you had to do in Caesarea Philippi in this temple was have sex with goats. Now, some of y'all been in church your whole life and you just got so disturbed because you're like, I've never heard that. Well, it's because they couldn't figure out how to put that on a Sunday school felt board. I don't know how you map. I don't, like if your kid would have brought you a picture of that, would you have gone back to that church? But that's what they did. It's, it's, it's me- messed up, shady place, shady people, yes or no? Yes, okay. Now, I've been in ministry for over 30 years. I've had people confess stuff. It's, it's awkward sometimes when I'm in public. Most of the time, my interactions go really super wonderful. But occasionally, just random people confess random stuff to me. And I'm like, I'm not Catholic. I don't know why we're doing this right now. But I'll be at QT getting some gas going, you know, Pastor P, how you, how you doing? Not good. I'm looking at pictures of naked people on my phone. <laughs> Might want to stop that. <clears throat> okay, I, I get confessions at... At uh, QT, I get confessions at Publix, but in 30 years of ministry, I've never had anybody come up to me and go, um, listen, Pastor P, uh, so my uncle got this goat. And it's bad, I mean... Because I would feel sorry for the goat. I, mean, I, I, I just, that's just messed up. Messed up place with messed up people. Can we agree? Messed up place, messed up people. And Jesus went there. He didn't walk away from the mess. He went toward it. He didn't say, give me the clean people. He went to Caesarea Philippi to announce the launch of the one thing he promised he would build, his church. In other words, he said, I'm going to start a movement that's going to set those people free. And they're going to understand that they don't have to live that way anymore. Jesus announced his church was going to be in messed up places for messed up people. And aren't you glad he did? I, I love that. Because stay with me. Stay with me. I'm going to show you this on the map. This, and don't strain. You're just going to take my word for it. This is Capernaum. This is where Jesus did the majority of his ministry on the Sea of Galilee. Caesarea Philippi is up here. Um, Jerusalem is down here. Now, To me, it would have made more sense if he had gone to Jerusalem to launch the church because this is where the temple was. This is where the priests were. This is where the clean people were. But Jesus 
went to Caesarea Philippi. Now, it would have taken three days to walk there, and it's all uphill. Anywhere Jesus went, anything he did was intentional. He never accidentally did anything. So he intentionally went to the most messed up people and said, I'm going to start a a movement that's going to change your life. And that's why I love our church, because I don't care what you're like when you walk in these doors back here. You can come as you are, but the good news is God loves you way too much to let you stay that way. I was talking with a guy the other day about coming to church. He's like, man, I want to come to your church. I said, well, why don't you? He said, I can't. I said, you can't? He said, yeah. He said, my life is, my life is messed up. And I said, well, tell me about it. And he, and he, he, he was right. <laughs> but I said, man, you need, to, you need to come. He said, I need to wait till I get my life perfect before I come. I was like, well, dear God, if you get your life perfect, don't come to my church. We will mess you up. <laughs> Aren't you glad that you don't have to be clean? You just, anyway. So, so they said, well, which is what you say when you don't know what to say. Well, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. <laughs> now this I was thinking about this. I don't, I don't do this a lot because it's just destructive for my soul, but last week I, I decided to cut on the news, and I watched them all. Listen, I watch MSNBC, CNN, Fox. I'm trying to get all the perspectives of everybody, and uh, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. There was a guy who's been interviewed, and he was, he was hurt, wounded, because somebody had used hate speech on him, and... Uh, I was like, what, what hate speech was used upon this person? And he was upset. Kid you not. He's a man, biological man. And he's upset because somebody told him he couldn't breastfeed a child. And I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm old now because I talked to the TV. And I'm like, you're a dude. You don't have boobies, sir. You, you are a dude. Like, listen, I used to be a big boy. I had a solid C cup, okay? And I never in my life thought, hope a kid latches on to one of these. Like, that has never happened. Hate speech? That's not hate. And sometimes I feel like I have, if you would have told me five years ago that we'd be talking about this, I would have thought you're crazy. But, and, and this is where people go, oh, but Pastor P, you know, you're stepping into the culture war. Well, I didn't start it. But you know what? It seems like the only people that aren't allowed to have opinions are Christians. Why is that? Why can't we stand up in love? In love, not hate. I, I am not against, or I'm not for people standing with uh, protest signs and yelling at people. Hey, God can use that. Yeah, he used Balaam's donkey in, in the Old Testament too, all right? So I'm just, I'm just saying, I think we should speak the truth in love. I think we should. Because, because what people, I'll say it again, I've said it the whole man series, I'll say it again. What people are calling gender-affirming care is demonic and satanic and it's destroying our kids. And if we can't speak up, listen, if we can't speak up for us, my God, can we speak up for our children? And and you're going, well, that's great, but Pastor P, I don't see that in that text. Well, John the Baptist, Elijah, and Jeremiah, 
People say that he's John the Baptist, Elijah, and Jeremiah. I've never seen this before. Those three men had one thing in common. They stepped into the culture war of their day. John the Baptist preached to the religious people, and he also spoke to Herod, who was the political ruler. Elijah preached God's word, but he also told Ahab and Jezebel, who were the king and queen of Israel, you guys are worshiping the wrong God. Um, Jeremiah was the counselor to many kings in the Old Testament. They weren't afraid to speak God's truth. And we can't be afraid to speak God's truth. And let me tell you why. The strength of our nation, y'all, this next election, if the two front runners right now are run, they're, they're going to be in, in opposite jail cells yelling at each other. I'm looking at this going, is this the best America has to offer? Now, I know some of y'all are quiet because I'm messing with your Messiah, but if either one of those guys are your Messiah, man, we got some problems. Let me, let me tell you why. I think elections are important, but I think that the strength of this nation is not necessarily what's in Washington, but what's Specifically, who is in our churches? Our nation will be strong as long as we have strong churches because governments have never been successful in taking down the church and they've tried for over 2,000 years because Jesus said, I will build my church. And then, because Jesus always does this, he just asked that softball question. He gets everybody leaning in, and then he said, but who do you say I am? Which is actually the most important question any of us can answer. Who do you say I am? Have you, I've had people tell me this. In fact, I met a guy right back here in the lobby uh, not too long ago, and he asked me this question. He said, uh, did my wife tell you that I was coming to church today. I said, sir, I don't know who your wife is. He was like, Linda, you met Linda? Oh yeah, Linda, not a clue. I said, why do you ask? He said, cause you preached about everything I'm doing. I said, you know you're confessing right now, right? I was just, but have you ever felt that in a church, this church or any church where, where you feel like, oh, 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 how did he know? What, I remember the first time I went to church, I sat on this side, about three rows back, and the preacher was preaching, and he was hitting sins, and I was like, been doing that, been doing that, been doing that. I am so going to hell. That's the way I felt. <laughs> but have you ever felt like there was, a, there was a point in the message, whether it's this church or another church, where it's almost like Jesus took his finger and just put it on your heart and said, hey, that's you. Yep. See, that's what he does in a church. And listen, even conviction is a blessing because he's saying, I don't want you to get this wrong. I want you to get this right. And I want you to get it right so much that I'm willing to make you uncomfortable until you do. That's a blessing from God. So he got personal. He, he gets personal with them and he's gonna get personal. That's what happens in the church. It gets personal. This is why a lot of churches um, like to keep really deep theological archaic truths like way up here where we don't have to apply anything. 
But Jesus always, Jesus always makes it personal. You know how some people are like, don't take it personal. Jesus will be at the back door going, take it personal, take it personal. You really need to take it personal. All right, so that's what he would do. And Simon Peter answered. And as soon as Simon Peter spoke up, they're all like, oh. Because, listen, if you need, if you need to feel better about yourself, just go read about Simon Peter. He's always sticking his foot in his mouth, chopped a guy's ear off one time. It's okay, Jesus fixed it. But Simon Peter answered, watch this. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, I thought this word was cool, Messiah, because once again, most of us are not Jewish. We, that word doesn't mean very much to us, but another translation of this word is Savior. You're, you're the Savior. And why would God send a Savior? Because we need to be saved. From what? This thing called sin. And I was trying to think about a way to illustrate sin. My first thought was Chick-fil-A nuggets. I can go to Chick-fil-A, and uh, not tonight because they're closed, but I can go to Chick-fil-A and get an eight-count nugget and some waffle fries, and I'm a pretty happy guy. It fills me up, satisfied, good. If I'm extra hungry that day, I can get a 12-count nugget. I feel pretty good about it when I leave, and I'm, I'm full. I don't even think about it anymore. But I go to somebody's, like you have a party or a gathering, and you got one of those nugget trays? Y'all, I can't stop. I can't stop eating nuggets. I can't stop. I, I remember one time, I was like, all right, just, just one more. I'm, you know what? I'm going to get two more, but I'm going to get the small ones. And I got the small. I, I, I lost count at 27 nuggets. I ate 20. I lost, and I quit counting. And they were fried, and so... Um, my belly went charismatic, okay? That's all you need to know. It was just a bad night. But I, I remember somebody finally came and just took the tray away, and I was like, thank you, Jesus, because that was the only way I was going to stop. Now, some of y'all are like, what does Chick-fil-A nuggets have to do with this verse? Well, instead of Chick-fil-A nuggets, just, just substitute sin. And that's the way we treat sin sometimes. I'm just going to do it. You know what? I'm going to do it one more time. I'm going to have one more drink. I'm going to shoot up. I'm going to smoke one more time. I'm going to snort it one more time. I'm going to go to that website one more time. I'm going to go to that person's house one more time. And we can't seem to quit. We don't have the power on our own. It's almost like we need a Savior. And when Jesus died on the cross... Yes, he paid the penalty for our sin, but he also gave us power over sin. And the good news is, with Christ in us, we don't have to live that way anymore. He will change us from the inside out in his time. But we have no hope against sin without the power of Jesus in us that's why we need a savior, because sin is too big to take on by ourselves. And so then, then, this is interesting, um, Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John. And Peter was like, yeah, you fools thought I was going to get it wrong. He just called me blessed. And then he said this, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. In other words, Peter, you cheated. Now, what stood out to me in this text is Jesus is saying to Peter, 
you heard the voice of God. That's how you got it right. And I believe the church should be a place where we just hear the voice of God. God speaks to us either through a, a song or through a, through a message, but church should be a place where we hear the voice of God speak unto us. And, and listen, there are things that God will do in our lives in a local church that he will not do in our lives apart from a local church. We can have our quiet time during the week. We can listen to worship music. We can read our Bible, and all that stuff is great. But there are things that God will only do in our lives in the context of community. You know why? Because we need help. We need the help of God, and we need the help of others if we're going to achieve our potential in our walk with Jesus. We, I had somebody tell me one time, <laughs> church is nothing but a crutch. And I, my response was, good, because I'm lame. I can't walk without the help of God. I can't walk without the help of others. I'm glad I got a crutch called the church. Some people are like, I don't need church. I don't think you're that strong. If you don't need something that Jesus said he was going to build, uh, and for those that only show up to church, I'm not just talking about this, or in church, like once every four to six weeks, which, by the way, that's the average a person goes to church once every four to six weeks. And you wonder why you're struggling. It's, it's, I can't imagine how you do it. Watch this. This is what got me. I was reading the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 32, 30 said, how could one person chase a thousand of them and two put 10,000 to flight. I remember reading that and I stopped. I went, wait, that math ain't right. If one person chases 1,000, then two should be able to chase 2,000, right? I mean, I went to public school, but isn't that how math works, right? <laughs> but, then, but then God is involved. Unless the Lord, unless their rock had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up. So what we gotta understand about Jesus is he's not into addition. He's into multiplication. And think about this. If he said one person could chase 1,000 and two could put 10,000 to flight, and we've had over 2,000 people in this church today, how much potential do we have according to God's word? Amen. That's good, isn't it? I know it is because I just got chill bumps and I, that was... <laughs> Now, next thing it says, now I say that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, which is actually referring to the statement that you are the Christ, I will build my church. So you gotta be careful when you're talking about the church. That's the bride of Christ. You can say anything you want to about me. You say something about my wife, and it is like, it is on, because a man should defend his wife. Right, man? That was not really strong. I was looking for a heck yeah or dang straight or a... No, it's too late now, sir. It's too late. I try to set you guys up for a wonderful evening. I was expecting a yeah, but no, nah, don't do it now. Don't, no, 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 uh-uh, uh-uh. You can look at the look on her face. It ain't going to work. And the powers of hell will not conquer it. Pause. 
powers of hell, gates of hell. I believe Jesus was pointing at this place. It's that, that, that place right there. He said, what I'm going to start is going to be bigger than that right there. He said, I will build my church. Now, I started thinking about when we think about our lives and the potential, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, we need to dream big because we have a big God, right? Back in 1983, my dad bought a gas station. He owned it for a year. And then uh, his contract was out, and he called the company and cussed them out, and we went broke. But, but it was a good year. It was the, it was the Amico station in Easley. And we were high-tech in Easley. High-tech in Easley. It's kind of funny, but it was high-tech and easily, it's on 123 Bypass right there next to Pete's if, you, if you've been, and it's, it's not, it doesn't look like this, but it kind of looked like this a little bit. Except it said Amico. Now this was, this was like the area where we'd hang out and we had vending machines. We had the keys to the vending machines. So that was kind of awesome. We had six gas pumps and then six gas pumps was big time in 1983. We had a, we had a this right here was self-serve and this right here was full serve, where you could, some of y'all remember, you could pull in, and the little boy would come out and pump your gas and, and clean your windshield and, and do all that stuff, and you wouldn't tip him. You remember that? Because I was that boy. I, and, now, and, now, and now we tip people for everything. I got a cup of coffee at Starbucks the other day. The barista was like, would you like to leave a tip? I'm like, yeah, I would love to leave a tip. Don't eat yellow snow. That's where the doggies go. There's your tip. Give me my coffee. This was, the, this was where you get your car worked on, and, and right here, that was the bathroom. And some of y'all remember that bathroom because you go, had to go in here and get the key, and the key was attached to a hubcap. Y'all remember that key that was attached to the hubcap? And you're walking out of the, because you weren't going to steal that bathroom key. And so in my mind, I remember in 1983 looking at that thinking, man, that is big. That's huge. That is enormous. And then recently... Shannon and Karis and I, we were coming back from the beach. It was late at night. I don't like to stop late at night um, on the road because, I mean, I just, it, especially in places that I'm unfamiliar with, that's why I have a CWP. Um, and some people are like, you, do you carry a gun at night? I'm like, no, I carry two. I have a, I have a revolver and a clip because I ain't, you ain't going to take me out. And so Shannon was like, baby, I've got to go to the restroom. I said, all right, I will stop this one time. Truth was, I had to go too. Um, so I was like, we're going to stop. And I said, we're going to stop at the next well-lit gas station we could find. And the next well-lit gas station we found. <laughs> this changed my life, y'all. It, it, was, it was unreal. How, how many have been to a Bucky's? Okay, y'all, y'all, I have never seen anything like this. Um, I was texting people from inside going, I'm in Bucky's. And then some staff were texting me going, oh, get me some of these. And get I just started buying stuff. I took it up to the cash register, spent $62. I don't even know what I bought, but I just, it was, it was so clean. And we had six gas pumps. They had 120 gas pumps and 74,000 square feet. How big is that, Pister, Pastor P? Pister P. <laughs> Hey, if I don't call it out, 
I never thought about that. It's kind of funny. There's gonna be a meme by, by eight o'clock tonight. Big enough, let me get it together. You could put two, two of these rooms inside Bucky's and still have room. And it was, it was clean. It was clean. Like, I, I went to the bathroom and there were attendants and they're wiping stuff down. I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure if I'd have gone in the stall, there was a button that somebody come give you a courtesy wipe. I mean, I, I, <laughs> this place was amazing. And y'all like, I didn't come to church to hear about Bucky's and Amical. Where are you going with this? This is where I'm going with this. When it comes to church, most people are thinking like this. And God said, we need to think like this. What's that have to do with my life, Pastor Fee? I'm glad you asked. When it comes to our lives, most people think like this. Let me pause here for a minute. Because there's some people here tonight that you believe God wants incredible, awesome things for other people. But you don't believe that for your life. And I'm here to tell you, you're wrong. I want a church that dreams big, but the only way the church dreams big is that it's full of people that have a big vision of who God is. And I don't want you dreaming like this. I want us dreaming like this when it comes to what God wants to do in our lives. Amen? And so then, then he said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And for years, I would teach on this text, and I wouldn't teach this verse. You know why? I didn't understand it. But then, I had a friend call me one day, and he said, what are you doing today? I said, not much. And he said, I'm going I'm to bring you something. And uh, he, he brought me his brand-new Corvette, told me I could use it for the day. And I said, hey, before, listen, before you hand me those keys, I just need to know, are there any rules? He said, yep, drive it like you stole it. I said, I can do that. Yes, sir. <laughs> Y'all need to understand, I love speed. Let me clarify. I love going fast. I've never tried speed, okay? I, I love driving fast. So I, I, I got my iPhone and put Beastie Boys Sabotage on because that's a good driving fast song. And man, I, I, had, I didn't get in the slow lane and put my hazards on and go because I had, there's so much power in that thing. And if that's, if that's what happens when we get the keys to a vet, what about the church getting the keys to the kingdom. Like how much power and potential do we have for change? So it caused me to start thinking. I saw somebody do this and I was like, that's too good. I gotta rip that off. It caused me to start thinking about these guitars. There's two guitars here. There's, there's one with strings and one without strings. Now, this is a simple question. It's an easy question. It's not a trick question. Which guitar has the most potential for, for change? The one with strings. This is a guitar string. It's a simple guitar string. Look at it. It's just, isn't it? Look how free it is. And you can, 
I guess you could do some stuff with it. You could, um, you could use it as a weapon. <laughs> my name is Igor Montoya. You killed my father. <laughs> you, could, um, you could make a sound with it. I did this in the second service today. Y'all hear that? But nobody's going, oh my God, that's so beautiful. Y'all are going, he's going to hit himself with that string. <laughs> the only way, the only way that this string becomes useful is if it gets connected. Now look, this is, this is a guitar. This is the head and this is the body. And if you connect a string to the body, but you don't connect it to the head, it's still useless because it just, it's just there. If you connect it to the head, but not to the body, it has no, this is to the person that says, I'm connected to Christ, but don't need the church. You're connected up here, but see, because what happens when we get connected at the body and the head is this right here, this, this little thing right here. When you turn this, it begins to stretch the string. And as the string is stretched, you could almost say, you could almost say it's growing. And there's tension. And some of us, we don't like the tension, but the tension is what makes us stronger. And, and when you get connected to the body and the head and Jesus begins to twist and he begins to turn and we begin to stretch and we begin to grow. Eventually, we get to the place where, well, Stephen, Stephen, come out here for a second. I've asked Stephen to help me with this illustration because he's slightly better at guitar than I am. And uh, he's done so wonderful all day. Um, getting ready there. All right, so just, you know what, play me a, just play a string, but since this is a second chance, just play that G string. <laughs> a lot of people in the second service didn't get that, but I knew five o'clock would. Play it, play it again, Stephen, y'all listen. See, let me just, you don't get that with this. And then, and then, when you get a bunch of strings together, you, you can play what's called a chord. So Stephen, play a chord for us. See how beautiful that is? And it takes several strings to make that happen. Play it again. Doesn't that just sound good? And then, and then in the hands, of the right person, that being, I mean, ultimately the church in the hands of Jesus, the church can do some really cool stuff. Do some cool stuff, Stephen. I've watched, you, I've watched you do that all day and there's no way I could, that is amazing. That's just, 
But that's, that's what Jesus wants the church to become. He wants it to become an instrument, each of us connected, stretched, growing, and being used to make noise in the community that changes the community. Here's the beautiful thing about being a follower of Christ. We don't live on this earth and it sucks and then we die and it all gets better. As soon as we accept Christ, the kingdom of God comes to live inside of us. And then when we step into eternity, we literally step into a place called heaven. Now, there's a lot we don't know about heaven, but there's some stuff we do know about heaven. I was listening to a Southern Gospel song the other day, and I was talking about, because uh, I love Southern Gospel, I do. And they're talking about walking the streets of heaven. I started thinking about the streets of heaven. I was like, you know, we don't know the street names of heaven. And that's good, because street names give us stress. Like I could say, Clemson Boulevard at Christmas, Pelham Road. I-85 in Atlanta at 5 o'clock on Friday. Like, we get stressed. But heaven, the only thing we know about the streets is that they're paved with gold. God took what the world bases our economy on and paved his streets with it. It's got to be amazing, right? It's a place where, like, literally the streets have no name because the name of Jesus is the name that matters. And I started thinking about how many, how many more people are gonna be on the streets of heaven because we as a church existed. I wanna make Anderson, South Carolina the hardest place in the world for somebody to go to hell because we have so many people accepting Christ. And the beautiful thing about it is we, we get to see people changed here on earth knowing that when we step into eternity, it's gonna be better than anything we ever imagined. So before I close the service, what I'm gonna ask you to do is this. Remain in your seat, watch the video of the people whose, peoples whose lives have been changed and the very end has gotten me all day, I won't ruin it for you. I just say, all day long I've sat there and said, that's why we do what we do. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just ask you to, to move in our hearts. God, I know there are people in this room that have been wounded in church. I know there are people in this room that have just been wounded in life. I know there are people in this room that are struggling to believe that you want good things for us. I know there are people in this room that wonder God, if, if you help other people, then why not me? And God, I pray that you would just bring about a change of heart. God, as we see person after person after person that you've changed, God, that our attitude would be, if you've done it for them, God, you can do it for me. I want, I want that. I want that kind of change. I want the kind of change that brings your kingdom into my life. And we ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. That's why we do what we do. That's why, because every name that you saw has a story. And that story matters to God. And so does yours. So y'all stand with me and let's pray. Jesus, I just want to pray that over these next few moments, Jesus, that you would get so personal with each one of us. God, that you would have your way. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, 
What did God speak to your heart tonight? What did, what did God say to you? What did Jesus... Because whatever, that, whatever he spoke to your heart, just take a second and speak back to his. If it was to confess something or to start something or to stop something or whatever it was, just make where you are that private altar with God and you just tell him. Maybe you're here and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You don't have power over sin and, and, and your sin has never been paid for. But Jesus died on the cross to pay for all of our sin. And if we will receive Jesus tonight, he will come into your life, power wash your soul and make you into a brand new person. And so if you're here tonight and you know that's your next step, that you need to pray to receive Christ, then I'm gonna invite you right where you stand to ask Christ to come into your life. Now we do it through a prayer here at Second Chance and we ask you to pray out loud, but not alone because our whole Second Chance family, we're gonna pray this prayer with you so that you'll know you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus, supported and encouraged by so many other people. So if you know you need to pray to receive Christ, I want you to pray this with me. Second Chance family, let's make sure they're not praying it alone. Just right where you stand, just say, Jesus Christ. I know I'm a sinner and I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I declare you as Lord. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, if you just prayed that prayer and you just accepted Christ, he literally just, he, listen, you didn't go from bad to good. You went from dead to alive. So I want to I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you if you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ. So I want to know who you are. So if you just prayed that prayer, would you hold up your hand and just leave it up just for a second just so I can see it all over the room, all over the room, hold it up. If you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ, you keep them up, keep them up. Keep them up, keep them up, keep them up high, keep them up high, it's good, it's good. Jesus, I wanna thank you so much, God. You, you did it again. Every time we get together, you just do it. You promised God if we would lift your name up that you would draw people to yourself. And that promise has never failed in this place. We thank you for that, God. We thank you that you're faithful. God, I wanna pray for the person here tonight that thinks, God, for some reason that because of their past, they can't have an amazing future. I feel it tonight, God, that you would help them to walk out of this room knowing, God, you, you take the most messed up people and do the biggest miracles. We love you for that. We declare this in your name, Jesus. And everybody that agreed said, amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? Me too. I hope y'all have a phenomenal week and we'll see y'all back here next Sunday.